the big break was at a club. And right before I got on stage, I had a change in mindset about comedy. Normally when a comedian gets on stage, he wants to get laughs from people. And I felt a little shift take place where I felt like I was to go up there and give them an opportunity to laugh. Now I'm not looking to take, I'm looking for an opportunity to give. This changed everything. My name is Michael Jr. I'm gonna do some jokes. And ultrasounds come in color now, which is ridiculous. I know it's a black baby. It better be a black baby. I leave the club that night, and there's all these people giving me hugs and high fives, telling me their favorite jokes. Then I look across the street and I saw a homeless guy. And I thought to myself, what about him? Most comedy, most jokes are set up. My son, four years old, looks at me out of nowhere. And he says, Dad, I want to be a doctor. I was like, yes, yes. And then a punchline. Then he said, or a dinosaur. <laughs> I understand that me doing comedy and doing all of these TV shows and making all these people laugh is really just a setup. My punchline is to make laughter commonplace in uncommon places. We go to Montrose, Colorado, a place called the Dolphin House. They take care of children who have been abused by their parents. And this grandmother explains to me that her um, grandson is being abused by his mom. He's so afraid of his mom that everywhere he goes, he wears a Spider-Man costume. So I get on stage, sitting right up front, Spider-Man. I start doing comedy. People start laughing, slowly but surely. Probably about 25 minutes into it, I hear a voice, and the voice says, my name is Ronan. And this little boy pulls off his mask. And it was one of the most powerful moments in my entire comedy career. Here's the deal. If we could just stop asking the question, what could I get for myself? and start asking the question, what can I give from myself? I think people would learn that you don't have to be a comedian to deliver a punchline. It's really what I want to get across to people. And I think I just did. I looked at the camera again. I don't know if I was supposed to do that. If you like to laugh, let me hear your hands. I appreciate everyone who's so willing to help around here. It was pointed out to me I should have worn this shirt last week. <laughs> Yellow pig Sunday. Um, but I didn't want anyone to think I was the pig, so I saved it for this week. Today, do you know that just in the month of July alone, there's over 500 holidays on the national calendar just for the month of July? And so there are a bunch of, a bunch of choices to uh, pick from. But this morning, I wanted to call your attention to National Tell an Old Joke Day. National Tell an Old Joke Day. And the purpose of Tell an Old Joke Day is a way to keep old jokes alive and kicking. Like every endangered species, old jokes need to be periodically vitalized as well. Spread cheer, spread laughter, and reminisce about those old jokes everyone loves. So I thought I'd do a little history study. I won't bore you with all the details, but how long ago did people start telling jokes? And 
Um, info suggests that jokes were invented in Greece. Others say that it, bega- it began with one of the mythological gods. I am sure that wasn't true, but um, this uh, god was also, or a person celebrating the gods, mythological legend about a person named Palamedes, who's also credited with inventing numbers, the alphabet, lighthouses, dice, eating meals at regular intervals, and on and on it goes. So there was a comedian's club in that day called the Group of Sixty, who met in the temple of Heracles and traded jokes. Alexander the Great's father, Philip II of Macedon, commissioned a book of their jokes, and the very first joke book ever found was from Greece titled Philagelos, or Laughter Lover. It contains 264 jokes, and they're famous with gems like this. The king comes in to get his hair cut. The barber says, how shall I cut your hair? And the king says, in silence. I didn't expect raucous laughter, but it was early. They were developing their craft. They were learning how to tell jokes. Then it was misplaced during the Dark Ages, kept alive by the Arab world uh, uniquely. And the Renaissance brought a lot of things back, but also brought back the joke. By that time, Shakespeare's jest books were very popular. And I could go on with those world's oldest jokes. One, number five in the world's oldest jokes was from 800 BC in ancient Greece. In Homer's Odyssey, Odysseus indulges in some humor. Odysseus tells Cyclops that Odysseus' name is nobody. My name is nobody. So when Odysseus instructs his men to attack Cyclops, Cyclops shouts, help, nobody is attacking me. (laughs) Hey, I'm here all week, folks. Don't worry about it. I'm here all week. There are a number of jokes in that list that obviously need some help. So I turned to that resource that we're all familiar with called the internet and asked for your help. And it was amazing the kind of help I got. Doug Carroll. 16 sodium atoms walk into a bar. Now in my joke, when you walk into the bar, you're going in to get a Sprite. Just so you know. And then once you get the Sprite, you decide it's better to go to Casey's. But anyway, the joke is 16 sodium atoms walk into a bar followed by Batman. I couldn't figure that out. It took me a while to figure that out. Until I discovered that the chemical uh, symbol for sodium is N-A. Na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na
Another pastor, John Lynn, said, we're going to, we were going to have alligator for supper, but all we had was a crock pot. <laughs> and Laura Millard, when a cow doesn't produce milk, is that a milk dud or an utter failure? <laughs> and then, <laughs> okay, where do we go from here, folks? Where do we go? And I remember jokes as a kid that we told over and over again, and hopefully you remember some of those, like, why can't a person's nose be 12 inches long? Because then it would be a foot. <laughs> and then there are the Bible jokes. How many know where, where, how many know where baseball is in, in the Bible? Very good, thank you. So many things I could say right now. Good job. Good job. And uh, do you also know where motorcycles are in the Bible? David's triumph was heard throughout the land. That's correct. So you can go that direction. Dad jokes, all kinds of things are out there. And then there are the memes that are jokes. Um, some of you ladies will relate to this one, this husband. How many ladies relate to that? And hold the next one, because if there's anybody in here that's doing this, I'm sorry I pointed this out, all right? So I'm sorry. I just thought, I think you ought to always keep hope alive. How many believe you should always keep hope alive? This guy is definitely doing that. One way or another to maintain that man bun. Well, I thought, what does the Bible tell us about humor and joke telling, and what can we learn from that? And I'd like to start with the negative side of humor, because I think that's what traps us, and end with the positive side of humor. And one of the things that you have to recognize scripturally and in the human experience is that humor can be hurtful. How many of you know that humor can be hurtful? It's not always a good thing. Sometimes it's pretty negative. And I came across this verse in the NIV that I really, I pick on the NIV, but this verse really captures the intent of the verse. Listen to this, Proverbs 26, 18 and 19. Like a madman shooting firebrands or deadly arrows is a man who deceives his neighbor and then says, I was only joking. How many know what that feels like? Often, when someone says, I was only joking, they weren't. They were covering up meanness. Now, I will give myself an out here, because often when I'm preaching, I will pause and say, that was a joke, so that I don't get emails about my sarcasm. But that's different than saying something mean to someone and when they react saying I was only joking or lying to someone and getting caught in it and saying I was only joking. How many know what I'm talking about? That we hide behind that phrase and call it a joke. It's easy to hide insults and snide remarks behind that phrase. And it isn't funny. Here's one of the measurements I have for humor. It isn't funny if someone gets hurt. Come on. It isn't funny if someone gets hurt. There's this phrase that gets finished in all kinds of ways. It's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. It's all fun and games until someone loses an eye. 
It's all fun and games until someone calls human resources. It's all fun and games until you realize it never was a game. And it's all fun and games until I'm unreachable, unavailable, and uninterested. And one of the cop-outs is when you say something that hurts someone and then you respond, and I've heard this numerous times, someone will say, grow up, it was just a joke. No, you're the one with the problem, not the one you're saying needs to grow up. Humor is used over and over again to wound, to hurt, to strike down. And the Bible describes this person who says it's only a joke like a crazy man shooting firebrands and deadly arrows. There was a, a, a man in the church in uh, Olwine who would talk about 4th of July. He and another friend would have a duel with a Roman candle. How many know what a Roman candle is? Shoots fireballs. And so they'd take 10 paces, light the Roman candle, turn and shoot at each other. That's an insane person. And he said he usually won because if he could, if the fuse was out, he'd light the other guy's Roman candle while it was in his back pocket. Um, people are doing that with their words. They're firing fireballs at each other's and claiming that that's humor. Here's what the Bible tells us that we should do. We are to speak the truth in love. Even in our humor, we should speak the truth in love. Then, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speak the truth in love. We will then in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ Jesus. We are to be people of truth and we're to speak words of truth in our humor or in our seriousness in our interactions, let your yea be yea and your nay, nay. Let truth be truth, but make sure that truth is spoken in love. Not everything that's true needs to be said. And things that are mean should never be hidden behind the mask of humor. That what we say to one another should be truthful and it ought to be wrapped in love because I care about you and it matters how you respond. No longer infants, but speaking the truth in love. Now, humor can be part of that. It can be a great way to illustrate an untruth or illustrate a truth. But our words of truth are to be measured by our love, and that has a direct impact on our spiritual growth as a body, that the words we speak to each other should help us grow up in Christ. And if it's not doing that, then we need to stop it. How many are hearing me this morning? We need to be careful the words we use. You've heard me say that a day without laughter is a day wasted. And I love humor. I love to laugh. I think we all should laugh. We've made laughter a regular part of our household. Our, our middle uh, child, Tiffany, has been our laughter meter. And there's health and value in that. I can tell you there were times we'd be sitting at the supper table and she would just look at all of us and say, can we all just laugh now? Nothing was just randomly start laughing. She was really good at that. I'll never forget the day she came upstairs and at our house, uh, Roy Rogers is the hero. 
Do you even know who Roy Rogers is? Yeah, the spiritual people do. She said, I've learned a lot from Roy Rogers. She's just a little girl. What have you learned from Roy Rogers? Well, I've learned good manners from Roy Rogers. What are the good manners? Well, I've watched him, and Roy Rogers never swears. Roy Rogers never stands on tables, and Roy Rogers never burps. (laughs) Not bad life lessons. We laughed and laughed about that. We're still laughing about it. Because there's something that can be illustrated with humor, with truth, but it needs to be wrapped in love. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 4, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Let me read that again. I want you to hear this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So when unwholesome talk comes out of your mouth and isn't helpful for building up others, you are grieving the Holy Spirit in addition to wounding the person who hears you. We talk about not grieving the Holy Spirit, and certainly we don't want to do that. But Paul is making it clear, when your unwholesome speech is wounding someone else, you need to be very, very careful because the Holy Spirit is grieved with that kind of interaction, that kind of conversation edifying others and not tearing them down. So I really like what Michael Jr. had to say in the video when he says to us, the question is not what are you getting, but what are you giving? Is it about getting a laugh or giving someone an opportunity to laugh? And humor, we'll find out in a little bit, should build us up. So if we're tearing down and wounding and hurting people, you need to stop it because that's not funny. When someone gets hurt, That's not funny. Humor can be very, very hurtful. And you see it all the time on television. Second, Ephesians 5, 4. And this is one we've got to be really careful about. Humor can be degrading. Humor can be degrading. Listen to what the Bible says. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse jesting, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral person, no impure, no greedy person, such a man is an idolater. None of them have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So if your speech is degrading, if it's coarse and foolish, so this isn't necessarily hurting someone, but it's going downhill. Have you ever noticed how easy it is when joking starts, that it starts here, and the next joke never goes higher, it goes lower. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And then the next joke goes lower. And then the next joke goes lower. And then the next joke goes lower until someone's got to apologize for saying something that's off color, off the mark, or has sexual innuendo that we shouldn't be talking about. You have to be really, really careful with humor and how it's used. Just because something is funny 
doesn't make it okay to share. Just because something is funny doesn't make it okay to share. And I know this isn't funny uh, and you're not looking very happy right now, but hopefully we'll change that in a little bit. But the idea being when you're jesting, joking doesn't excuse you to say things that are coarse and off color. It really doesn't. And I've got to be careful about that. I'm not standing up here as the example of how to do that. I've been in that spot where joking is going on and all of a sudden I say something like, I would never have said that except I got caught up in the spiral of joking and jokesters always need to, to, um, to one-up the joke in front of them. It's like fishermen. They say with fishermen, the first liar never has a chance. Because it continues to grow. Coarse talk. I, I read on those that responded, and I appreciated his honesty. I have a family member, and it made me chuckle. He said, I'm sure, Gary, that you don't want to hear any of my jokes. And I am sure he was right. I'll never forget being on the golf course some years ago, and there were um, two of us, or three of us, and there was a guy golfing solo, and the course was busy, and they asked if this guy could join us, and we were fine with that, and we're going around the golf course, and everything's fine, and we're on about, I think we're on about the 14th green, and there hasn't been any problems at all, and the guy said to me, to us, hey, can I tell you a joke? Oh, I wanted to say no. Because I've never found that environment to give me a joke I could use on Sunday. And then have you felt the awkwardness of how do you respond? Do you laugh? Do you rebuke? Do you just throw up in the trees and act like nothing? What do you do in that moment? I didn't know what to do. So here he goes off on this joke sexual innuendo, innuendo goes a place I don't want it to go and the other two guys are looking at me. I'm supposed to have, and I'm praying even so, come Lord Jesus. Right now would be a great time to get raptured out of here because I have no idea what to do. And he finished the joke and I didn't even respond to it. I just said, so um, what's, what's par on the next hole? I just changed the subject and we went on. He got the point and it was tense after that. But I don't want to be part of jesting or joking or affirm it in someone that's inappropriate and coarse and off color. We've got to be careful with that. And it needs, not, it needs to not happen among us. Adult humor isn't adult at all. I want to say that again. Have you ever noticed when they say this is adult humor? It's not adult. It's perverted. It's degrading. It's nasty. And if your 12-year-old can't listen to the joke, that's a pretty good indication that you ought not be telling it. And if you don't want your 8-year-old to repeat the joke, that's even a better indication that you shouldn't be telling it because our speech needs to be free of unwholesome talk. It could pervert your soul and rob you of heaven and it will surely steal your victory. 
There's a study that's been done about this, and it's called the, the, the um, dark spiral of humor. A study's been done on that subject. man by the name of Dirk Denkhaus, a young German firefighter, attempted to set a house full of refugees on fire. The New York Times diagnosed him with irony poisoning. Irony poisoning. Denkhaus had spent hours on Facebook ironically and sarcastically exchanging Nazi greetings and racist memes with friends until deciding finally to turn jokes into violent actions. In other words, he was kidding until he wasn't. The term irony poisoning first appeared on the internet in 2014 and has been used to describe the altered state of people who become so deeply enthralled in a culture of ironic humor that they find themselves mouthing sentiments merely to be provocative. But a more acute level of irony poisoning can lead someone to a point where the joke becomes real and you start to do things that are immoral or wrong from a place of deep nihilistic cynicism. And writer Miles Klee described irony poisoning this way, as a metaphorical black lung. It's only a matter of time before we're all in the mines. It spirals downward. And I know that there's a great concern about children playing violent video games. I have as much concern about adults who tell racist jokes. Come on, is anybody with me this morning? Irony poisoning, because it shapes you. It shapes the way you think. And getting a laugh is not our goal. Our goal is to honor God by our speech. It tends to get darker and more suggestive. But let me give you what the cure is to degrading humor. I'm going to go back to the text that I just read you, read to you and have you consider what the solution is. I don't know what you would come up with if I were to say, what's your solution? What's your answer to irony poisoning? You know, prayer and fasting, therapy. But listen to what the scripture says. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse jesting, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Question I would ask you is how does your humor affect your thankful heart? What does it do to thanksgiving? When you tell a racist joke, you can't go from there and thank God that around the throne there'll be gathered together those out of every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue. Your thanksgiving is damaged by the joke you tell. When you're insulting and degrading, you can't celebrate purity with sexual innuendo. I'm saying to you that we have to be careful and the test is, what does it do to your thankful heart? When you're done, can you say thanks to God for what has just transpired? And if you can't say thanks to God for what has just transpired, you probably shouldn't be telling it. Develop a thankful heart. Develop a thankful heart. How many are ready to move on? Because the truth is, humor can be healing. It can be healing. Proverbs 17, 22. 
A cheerful or merry heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries the bones. The writer of Proverbs puts two truths side by side. That a merry heart has healing power. But if you're living under depression, if you're discouraged, a crushed spirit, a broken spirit is like having your bones being uh, broken. There's no support. There's no strength. There's no ability to stand that we need to replace it with a merry heart. Proverbs 15, 13. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart has a continual feast. Chapter 17, 22. A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. And Ecclesiastes 9, 7. Go your way, eat your bread with joy, drink with a merry heart, for now God accepts your works. It's about being joyful and showing joy with a cheerful countenance. It's about um, showing joy and having the blessing and prosperity of God with a continual feast. It's about having a joyful heart and letting your inner person be healed. And it means having a joyful heart and recognizing that God's blessing is on that. He wants you to have a joyful heart and experience his abundance. That's where he wants us to live. Studies have been done. Laughter has many, many benefits. Scientifically, medically, do you know that laughter is stress relief? It's a great relief of stress. Laughter enhances your intake of oxygen-rich air, stimulates your heart, your lungs, and muscles, and increases the endorphins. It activates and relieves your stress response and soothes tension. It actually improves your immune system. It can actually relieve pain. Laughter makes it easier to cope with difficult situations. It helps you connect with other people. It can improve your mood. Many people experience depression, sometimes due to chronic illnesses, and laughter can help lessen your stress, depression, and anxiety, and make you feel happier. It also improves self-esteem. So it wasn't just a flippant comment by the writer of Proverbs. It was a declaration of scientific fact that we're discovering a happy heart does good good like a medicine. During our dark times, our darkest times, God's given us a moment of laughter. I even think at funerals there ought to be laughter, remembering some of the good things. During our journey with our oldest son, there was a time that we needed a a tutor. I'm going to say, no, I won't say that part of it. And he was a big guy. I mean, really big. He was so big. How, you're supposed to say, how big was he? <laughs> He's sitting on our couch, and to cross his legs, he had to reach down and grab the pant leg and pull it up with both legs to cross it and hold it there. And he just was big, afro, white guy with an afro, and he looked really angry and we're talking and after he left Tiffany said to us mom dad does he eat people <laughs> she just had a way of making us laugh I'm sitting at the kitchen table and 
I don't even know what I'm doing, but uh, I don't know if you all know this about Tiffany, that she was a trick rider, trick horse rider. Uh, she, she's going to kill me when this is over. Is she, I don't know where she's at. I can feel it, though. I can feel it. <laughs> she was a trick rider on the quarter horse at Walmart. <laughs> and she was into Roy Rogers, and she had her little cowboy hat and her vest and her guns. And I'm sitting at the dining room table, and she comes up from the basement, and she's sneaking up the stairs, and she sees me, and she points her gun at me, and she shoots me. So I play along, and I collapse over the chair, and she keeps walking toward me with her gun drawn. And she pulls my wallet out of my pocket. And then she said, come on, boys, I got his wallet. Let's go back to the ranch. And I said, game over. And what happens is when you laugh, it breaks up the depression, the discouragement. Some people just need to be able to laugh and enjoy moments where the darkness breaks and the light begins to shine through. And humor can help us understand truth. So I have a video um, from Tim Hawkins, a Christian comedian that's uh, a little bit dated, but I think you'll enjoy hearing what Tim Hawkins has to say on parenting. Sometimes parents, we just fail at advice. I remember my mom when I was a kid. She used to give me good advice too late. <laughs> Think about it, good advice too late. Like when I was a kid, I hit my head on the corner of the table. <laughs> Careful. Imagine kids not whining No screaming fits or squeals When they don't get the toy they want In their happy meals Imagine all the parents Burning down Chuck E. Cheese God gave me this song. <laughs> Boys, they just make up games like they want to hurt themselves. They do. I'm like out in the backyard one time, my son comes out, Hey, Dad, throw that brick at me and see if I can get out of the way. <laughs> great. Game, it's called Dodge Brick. It's great. <laughs> Fling one right at my head and don't tell me when you throw it. I'll try to listen for the whiz. Don't you judge me. Because it wasn't until that brick left my hand, I was thinking, this is probably not a good idea. I could tell you, don't throw your brick at your son. But there's an illustration there about life and about dads and about boys and all kinds of things can be drawn from that. It helps us understand truth. 
And you'll probably remember that more than anything I've said this morning. Because humor reinforces a concept. And it's God's plan for us to laugh and to laugh a lot and to use that to build and develop and strengthen one another. I mean, you know what the Bible says. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Brothers and sisters, these things write I to you in 1 John that your joy may be full. We understand the scripture that says the joy of the Lord is our strength. That we are that we find the fullness of joy in his presence and that we can be anointed with the oil of gladness. That's where God wants you to walk. That's where he wants you to live. That's where he wants you to experience his goodness. Psalm 126, verses one and two. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter. What I don't want us, what I don't want to be, and I don't think you want to be, are people that no one has ever seen laugh. That there's not any joy in us. That life is so serious that we can't have a moment of celebration. And I'm not talking about the laughing revival that some of you remember from years ago that would overtake a service and everybody would be laughing and nothing could be done. Um, I don't believe that's what the kind of laughter that they're describing. Here's what I believe, that the right kind of laughter makes you more aware. The right kind of laughter draws you closer to God. The right kind of laughter draws you close to people. And let's make sure that we're doing it in a way that is life-giving and health-giving and enjoy a good laugh once in a while so that we can be in that place where we experience the anointing of God, the favor of God, and building one another up. Someone said, Pastor Nathan, if you'd come wherever you went. I thought I saw you a moment ago. Someone has said, and I believe it's true, that if the devil can't steal your joy, he can't take your goods. So let me take it one more step and say to you, church, don't let humor steal your joy. Don't let humor steal your joy. Let the blessing of God fill, fill your heart with laughter. I'm really, really tempted right now. I'm not going to do this, but I'm really, really tempted. Uh, Tim, have you ever done the laughing song? No. Nope. <laughs> How many of you ever heard the laughing song? It's as corny as you can imagine. Sung by George Yantz. And he starts off singing, I've been tickled by a feather, I've been tickled by a wasp, I've been tickled by a yellow bumblebee. And as he sings the song, then in the, the chorus is just, ah, ha, 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 And I thought, that's not funny. That's just goofy. 
And I'm telling you by the end, he keeps on until everybody is laughing. Even me, everybody is laughing because there is something that binds us together. And when we laugh together, we will love together. Yeah, we will. You find people hugging and embracing and shaking hands. So if you're in a place where it's dark where you live, I get that. But if he can give peace in the midst of the storm, he can give laughter in the middle of pain. Let's stand together. And I want you to, I want, here's what I want you to ask. I'm not asking you to just start bust out laughing. But let's worship. And would you ask God to make this a happy place? Some years ago, we were going to do a float in the Southeast Polk homecoming parade. And we were all set up with costumes. And we put a sign on the back that said, Berean, the happiest place on earth. And, I, and then it rained and we couldn't do it. But I want that to be the case where families have fun, where singles find friends, where couples find fulfillment. And part of that is being able to laugh. God, give us a heart of joy. Help us laugh when gas is going up as well as going down. Help us laugh when there's shortages. Help us laugh when the world is crazy and broken because it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. I just want you to pray, God, give me a joyful heart. Help this be a place where we feel the joy of the Lord. Let's just worship him together for a bit. Because you are the true joy giver.
time today so that you can make sure you get your food and your ice cream and enjoy Super Sunday Family Fun Days. We've got one more week to celebrate that. So glad that you're here today and so thankful for your faithful ongoing support. In case you want to know, not this coming week, but I believe it's the following week that um, actual construction of the kids' playground will begin. The cement work is done and now we're ready to put up the structure and put up the, the base and it'll be a great, how many, are, how many have been in the foyer and wished it was already up? So that'll be a great day and it's because of your giving that we're able to do that. Thank you so much for your faithful giving, amen. God bless you, shake someone's hand, tell them a good joke. <laughs>